Welcome to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast, the podcast that guides those looking for a home that expresses their unique lifestyle to release creative DNA into their project and have it completed while keeping the artistic vision alive. Now, here's your architect creative, J.D. Carling. Tear it apart until it changes. One key principle of design is to check something is to look at it and take something off. And if it doesn't change it, it's not needed. That's one of the practices that we often do in architecture is we place something and there's multiple reasons we can do that. One can be we're cluttering too many things. It's to check the narrative of the space. It can be for budgetary concerns. So removing things and checking what they look like when they remove is a common practice in checking the effectiveness of the DNA of your custom home. Well, today we're going to to discuss ornament. This is a huge episode and I have so many metaphors and so many things that I want to talk about in regards to ornament. And so I'm just going to start popping through them and hopefully it's going to inspire you to think about the things, the functionality, the decoration of your home. Now, ornament as defined is something that you add to something to adorn it or make it more beautiful without necessarily a function. And many people could argue that there is a function to making something more beautiful. And there's a way to make something beautiful and functional. But most of the time it is associated with being minimalist or removing things. And that is something that will be heavily in the subject matter um, for today. And, you know, I knew I was going to do this episode and I saw this post, I think it was on YouTube shorts. And there's a guy and he is looking at different fast food restaurant designs and and some just restaurant designs that were old. And he pulls them up and it's, you know, he's in the background. There is a picture of... The old McDonald's, which was actually made of two arches, and the new McDonald's, which is a box. And he's like, "Mm, I kind of like the old one better. Then there's a Wendy's, which has like the curved mansard roof. And then there's the new one, which again is a box. Then he gets to, you know, it's just slightly different. He gets to an, an IHOP. And IHOP is the Cathedral of Pancakes. And it's it was such a distinct architectural design. Now, again, minimalist box. Then he gets to Pizza Hut and the windows and the whole way the thing was put together. New Pizza Hut, again, a box. And these upgrades have been very, very lucrative for fast food restaurants to make these modern boxes because they look up to date. They look new and they look fresh. And modern is in, modern is cool. So as he's going through it, you kind of see his face because I, I think he genuinely was doing like one of these like internet challenges. And he's like, you know what? These all look the same. And there's, is it, I'm, I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions about stuff because you're going to get to an architectural description from a famous architect named Adolf Luce soon. But he's like, each of these other ones kind of described their space you know mcdonald's had the arch ihop was like the cathedral the house of pancakes pizza hut had their specific like hut style roof right many of them had a very distinct architectural 
relationship to the message of the space that they were creating. And in the name of minimalism, in the name of being modern or cool, they've changed that. And they kind of, for some reason, they all changed and did the same thing. And you know what's freaky is they all look like a contemporary modern house. And it's kind of a weird, like, let's make every cell phone look exactly the same type of thing. And I'm definitely like, I I call myself like a hard minimalist. Like my goal is to be minimalist, but that doesn't mean sameness. And the one example, uh, another example that I want to give, this is kind of like minute, but it just popped in my head is Florida, an architectural response to living in the climate of Florida was the screen porch. And if you look at some of the mid-century homes in Florida, a screen porch was a part of the architecture that all the lines that created the divisions between the screens was a carefully considered thing. Many homes, it's kind of hard to see them, but mid-century homes in Winter Park and Central Florida had these shallow screen porches with large sliding doors on them that would allow people to open up their house and have cross ventilation before central air conditioning was so important. And that had an architectural influence. And then that's compared to now when you see a screen porch on a house, they all look the same. And it's just this big, I'm going to call it a mangleppi, put on the back of the house. And it's not an architecturally considered thing. It's just like, hey, we want a screen porch. Let's put it on. And it's all become this sameness thing instead of something that is functional with the environment. And that is partially a result of a lot of architecture in the name of oddly greenness and like passive house becoming these isolated things which are so insulated and so air conditioned against the real elements of the world that they kind of all can just turn into the same box. It's like, yeah, I live in Hawaii. I live in Brazil. I live in North Carolina, pretty much anywhere. And it's like almost all the same architecture. So there's like this kind of like sterileness and Another thing, which is planned obsolescence, which is like making you think something isn't cool anymore because it's old. So personally, what I would like to see is people with their homes. The reason I'm using the fast food example is each of these restaurants has like a story like Pizza Hut, IHOP and McDonald's is very clear about who they are. And that's like a corporate story. But each person's home, like right now is a story all their own. Like right now I'm working on a home for, it's interesting, two different Korean families. And one of them is very interested in, I'm going to butcher the name, but Hanok is a certain type of house. That's the type of architecture and story that they're bringing with them that they want to have influence their home here. And another one has a totally different type of house, which isn't so much revolved around the courtyard and just who they are and what their story is and how they want their life to be is influencing the architecture. I'm not doing the same thing for either one of them. And so that's the goal for you is to design your home so that it's your story. Now, with that said, with each person's story, each person's life, It's not all 
the same minimalist box. You know, it was it was funny. I I worked with one person and we did an inverted butterfly roof that, that we're working on the house right now. And it had to do with the way they wanted to have views projecting out to these two spaces in the home. And there was an, another home that we just worked on before that, and that one is still in design, that they we did kind of the same thing. It was a diagonal roof that was like, you could say just regular sloped, but it was on an angle. So it kind of looked like a upside down angular roof. I don't like to think of roofs as just like slopes and trusses. It's all about the folds and things like that. That created more of a, a canopy than nestled the space. And those type of things are talking about the quality of feeling or, you know, like she's a, the one client is a master gardener. And so she wanted to be projected out to the garden, right? The other family with the Hanuk, they want to be in a courtyard where the whole family and everybody's gathering around a courtyard. That's kind of like, to me, you know, I don't know all the true significance of everything yet. But to me, that's like the heart of the family is like staying together or drawing together around this courtyard, which includes water and trees and, and life. So these architectural things are creating the space, creating the uniqueness, which fights against the planned obsolescence. So one, um, I think I'm going to get into what Adolf Luce talks about right now. So, you know, if you don't know, planned obsolescence is the corporate strategy of making something like seem outdated or old so that a capitalist country can keep on functioning and money and wealth can be made. And Adolf Luce was extremely against ornament or decoration, but it also eliminated the ability of something to become outdated in, in his mind. In his book, Ornament Crimes, he says something to the effect of like, in order to keep the economy going, I still think, you know, like ornament is bad. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But why don't we just make it that like, if this is so important to our economy, why don't we just make it so every three to five years, we just turn our wood chairs into, <laughs> turn them into firewood, burn them, and then that'll keep the economy going because people will just buy new chairs instead of just throwing them in the landfill. At least they have some utility. And... Then you can have your your um, um, per, a purposeful planned obsolescence because pe- things just end up going to the wayside. And he's very adamant about this, but I think there is something about that that is like, if you're like, hey, this is at Z Gallery or this is on trend. I saw this in Architectural Digest in you know mainly Interiors magazine, or I saw this in the back of Dwell magazine, and I've got to have this. You want to find a stronger source of the design decisions that you're making. And I'm really proud of a lot of my clients right now because they're coming to me with a clear narrative that we're putting together for them, for the culture that they want to create in, in their property or in their home. And each one is so different. And um, I just want to thank you because I know my clients listen to this too. Thank you so much for making my job, my experience. It just means so much to me. A fun one and one where I get to discover so many different things about this world through the things that you bring to the table in your home and the chances that you want to take. So we want to find your unique thing. And it's not always just to make it pretty. Another thing that Adolf Luce kind of ranted about in Ornament Crime is he's... And I like this because it's going to get into space and material. 
He says, if I want a, a nice gingerbread man, you don't need to make it look like a puppy or a sailboat or something cute. If I want a good gingerbread cookie or a piece of gingerbread, I want good flavor. I want good ingredients. And that's going to be the memorable thing. Again, I'm paraphrasing. But you see, he's like, that's the thing that's going to take him there is the way the thing was put together. And with your home, that is the way we want to do everything. That's what we are always seeking to do. We don't necessarily want to be like, I got the finest wood. I got the rarest wood. Now, some, you know, I do like to talk about that sometime. But at the end of the day, those things should not be those things anymore. A gingerbread cookie, you know, probably has sugar, sure, has flour, uh, has ginger in it. And all these things come together to make a cohesive, unique flavor. And the way it just, you know, snaps in your mouth, the flavor is unlike any other. It's a very distinct thing. But you're not at the time thinking, this is ginger, this is sugar, this is flour, you know, what? this is butter that's in it. Somehow those things came together to make something that was unique from a chocolate chip cookie. You close your eyes and you have that feeling. It takes you to a different memory. And that's the way we're going to put together the wood, the concrete, the metal, the porcelain, all the fabric, the linen. All those things are going to come together in unique ways, the way the glass comes together. So they're not just their things anymore, but they're pieces of your story. They're the pieces of your Hanuk or your inverted butterfly roof. And so with that said, Frank Lloyd Wright was all form follows function. But if you look at the things that he did, there was some ornament on there. And there was things that described things about their culture that in there. So they were not devoid all the time of descriptive character. But I don't think 100%. This is something for you to consider for yourself. This is a, a slight example that I'm going to give you. But if you're truly minimalist, in my opinion, hardcore, so it's almost like religious thing, right? You could take it so far. Then it's like Apple shouldn't have a logo because they're adorning it with something. But the Apple, you know, I don't know. I think it might have to do with somewhere where they are in California. But to me, the bite out of the Apple always reminds me of like the wisdom thing, the worldly knowledge or something that comes from learning. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But that's still a, an ornament. But there's a deep meaning or deep message that's been communicated with that thing. And so for you, what are those things in your life that are like defining moments for you or defining textures and materials that you've experienced that you want to define your space? And if you know what those are, they're not going to be subject to planned obsolescence. They're not going to be subject to mood or style. They're going to be something that you're proud of, of your story that's making something that is just you. And just because it's just you doesn't mean other people can't appreciate it. I think when you're specific, people will appreciate it more. That's why it's like, I love the idea of the Cathedral of Pancakes. Even though I don't go there very much, I've always appreciated them for doing that. And you're doing your own thing. It's just like, if you look at the work of Antonio Gaudi, even some of his residential projects, extremely ornate. If you look at them, fish scales galore, sculptures of people's heads that are chimneys on the roof very ornate things. But I would argue that those are not without purpose, that they're not doing something. They're communicating the technology that the people were able to use 
in the in that area of of the world and what they found that they could create out of it that may appear like ornament but really it's not it's expressing the craftsmanship of those people now you could have the same thing somewhere else and to me it could be decoration you know one place where it's totally rampant if you go to vicenza italy so Palladio is the architect from there that's mainly influenced architecture in uh, America with Thomas Jefferson. And if you don't know who uh, Palladio is, research who he is because a good amount of American architecture was influenced by the city of Vicenza and him. The further out you get in Italy, and also Carlos Scarpa had a lot of work there too, who's more modern, like early to mid-1900s. Both of those gentlemen have been copied in the name of making the architecture look like that. Like the U.S. built an Air Force base there and they wanted it to to honor them. They wanted it to look like Palladian architecture. So there's things that were not functional that he made that were actually form follows function that became decorations on those buildings. So they weren't telling their own story. They were trying to appease another story when they're doing them. And you don't want to do that. I always tell people you don't, you do not want to have like the mission style house for the sake of it. I don't, you know, it's like that was a whole thing that had to do with a story about spreading the good news or religion. It's like it was like his own thing. And so I try to think of where you're going, what you're wanting to do with your life, with your expression while you're on this sphere we call Earth. And it'll be enduring like, If you've ever seen Sagrada Familia, which is Antonio Gaudi's greatest work, it's a house of worship. That thing is pretty much just 100% ornament, but it's a life story. It's telling the life story of Jesus and the Holy Family on the whole thing. But all of the sacred geometries that are in it express the universe, express the creation that came from Jesus, came from his family, right? So that whole thing, it is not something that's like, hey, this is going to get old or not cool or outdated. In your own way, you can do that with your home. The way you put the architecture together, it can be like that. Find those areas in your stories and way to express it in your request to your architect, in the program that you want, and you will be delighted. Whatever architect you work with, if you can express the stories and the early memories like from your childhood or the ones you're wanting to create for your children in the present, that is going to influence your architecture in a powerful way. It's going to imbue it with the DNA that's going to make something lasting. We're here on a mission to create something in our own way that is lasting for us because I believe that that will be more lasting or sustainable for generations to come. Thank you so much for joining me just considering ornamentation. We're not making something beautiful for the sake of it. We're making something beautiful for the sake of telling our story and telling who we are. One consideration to think about, this is just something that popped in my mind when I was taking my notes, is the idea of of a tattoo. So I don't have any tattoos, but everyone I know that has, I ask them a story about it. My mom, she got a, a tattoo when she's about 70 of... An owl, I think she's got like an owl, a unicorn, and a butterfly now. But all of those things had have spiritual meanings to her. But it's almost like, I know there's like laser tattoo removal, but it's it's a part of who she is. And it's almost like integral to her. Or people like, I've seen 
I, that my one buddy, he had like bars on his arm and each one just reminded him of each of his children, each of his offspring. It was as simple as that. And so to them, it means something. Now, t- they can go out of style, right? You, you can get, uh, you know, the famous bad boyfriend or girlfriend tattoo that you break up with. So there's a case for everything. But at certain times, there's things that are significant that if they're placed a certain way, they can influence the actual space of the actual experience. I remember in um, Romeo and Juliet, I cannot remember the actor's name, but the priest has a cross on his back that's like his whole back. And I remember that because it dominated the view of the screen. And I think who he was, it was supposed to show the influence of him on that impact on his life, that geometry representing that life experience that he had in a religious way. And just for you, and I'm not saying a Christian thing or a cross or something like that. I'm saying, what experiences have you had that you want to make a powerful impact on you every day in your space? And it can be something fun. It can be something silly. It can be something very filled with fervor or religious experience. It could be something to do with your job. It can be something to do with the lifestyle that you want to have. But I always want to underscore stuff. So I'm going a little bit over my time today. But remember, when you have your architectural DNA, you want it to be underscored. We want to go big. So not big or bold or in your face, but with the idea. If exercise is important to you, if relaxing after work is important to you in a certain way or dividing certain parts of your life or having privacy for your children versus where you're at. Whatever those big ideas are, those are the things that we want to underscore in each layer and material and space and size, whatever it is for you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Card Custom Home and Architecture podcast. I hope this gives you something to consider If you do, it will impact your project, your custom home, your architecture in a positive way to consider these things. Don't just go for the minimalist box for the sake of it. The minimalist box can also have very specific things to them. So you may want that, but there's ways to draw that out to give it that character, give it that personality that can only be you. For instance, I love the light phone. It's an e-ink phone. It's about this big. When you look at it, it is kind of the same thing as an iPhone, but there's all these subtleties to it, which give you a completely different experience, right? So there's still something. It's not about the look of it, remember? It's not like, hey, look, I've got this minimalist phone. I've got this thing. It's it's all the little nuances that you connect with that's going to make it a meaningful, worthwhile effort and expenditure and usage in your life and your family's life. Thank you so much for joining me. This was fun talking about ornament, ornament crimes, the joy of how ornament can really be form and function that stays with you for a long time and is not subject to planned obsolescence. Have a good one. I'm your architect, JD Carling. See you next time. One other thing that I want to touch on is an architect, I think it's Olson Kundig Allen. And so Frank Lloyd Wright had form follows function. Well, the beauty in their projects they've chosen to go with is functional usage of things. So Frank Lloyd Wright, I think he would talk about form follows function, and it was more on the actual space, not so much the movement or the mechanics. Well, this architect, they often have very large manually operated doors or 
piston functional roof skylights that open in office buildings to allow vertical air circulation. They've even got these like rolling cabin type things that they've made. And so they're very much into the function of the way things move. And they're very big and hardy and they feel very strong. But remember, for you, there can also be the function of their things are a beautiful example, but folding doors or door hardware or the way a toilet works, things like that, adding those personality items to your home are things to consider. You could say that's an ornamental thing, but I, but it's a mechanical thing that is also functioning. So remember to keep those in mind when you are working on your home design with your architect. Just wanted to add that little bit for you guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast. If you are ready to start your journey of a lifetime designing and building a custom home or project, sign up for a free consultation at ca-rd.com today. We look forward to the journey together and making something unique for you and your family. If you have any topics you want to discuss or questions about your custom home design for future episodes, send us a message via our website, ca-rd.com. And again, join us next time for another episode of the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast.